you get the habit of asking questions and that essentially becomes the habit of thinking of content or of the process of invention. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Director of Marketing. Our goal here is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. Hi everyone, as you may have heard, this week we're switching it up a bit and are playing for you the audio portion of one of our IEW webinars. Today's episode is part two of that webinar, so if it sounds a bit like you're jumping into the middle of a conversation, well, it's because you are. And like we do for each podcast recording, we'll post any links or websites mentioned at IEW.com slash podcast. Enjoy! Let's take a look at this sequence of pictures. This is from our set of pictures that is available to you. We use this, I think, in the student continuation course level A. And so you kind of see, all right, you got the three pictures. You got the guy sitting in the chair with the lamp. He's reading something. Then in the next picture, the lamp is beginning to melt, it appears. He's looking at it, probably thinking thoughts, maybe a little surprised, who knows. And then in the third picture, the lamp appears to be completely melted. And he is not there anymore, although he has left the book on the arm of the chair. So, what could be done with this? It's a, a series of three pictures. Our goal would be to write three paragraphs. So I would have the student set up their page somewhat like you see here with the topic sentence. I wouldn't necessarily put that on their paper, but for us it's a reminder to remind them that what they put on that line would be the facts, the things that they see in the picture, and that and, and kind of no more. Not not necessarily what do they surmise or expect or or assume, but just what do they see. Then you fill up the whole paragraph with the rest of that stuff. So what I'm doing right now is I'm going to write on a piece of paper an outline uh, somewhat like the one you see and you will see on the successive screens. And I'm going to kind of create this outline as I would if I were teaching a class using a whiteboard. And you can kind of follow along. And then if the technology spirits are cooperative, I'm going to hope to scan this and send it to our tech person who will attempt to then put it on the screen and show it to you. However, I will confess I am not the best about 
being creative and imaginative. So I would really enjoy your help. And if you would be willing to participate by putting into the chat box some ideas, putting some answers to questions that I may ask, then that would be perfect. We have the first picture, the guy sitting there. Let's give him a name. He looks to me like a Seymour or an Oliver. No, let's make it a Seymour. Seymour is very nice because he'll see more than he expects tonight. <laughs> All right, so Seymour is in the chair reading by lamplight. Of course, I've already used up my three keywords, so I would have to decide to squeeze in a fourth keyword or just remember the idea of the lamplight, or maybe I'll just draw a little lamp there. Now, um, what is Seymour thinking or feeling? What happened before this picture? Why is he sitting in the chair? How is he feeling? Maybe you can type in a few suggestions there for me. He just changed the light bulb. Okay, I like that. He just had dinner. Good. All right, so he had dinner and then changed the light bulb, which I guess had burned out. Reminds me of a joke some IEW teacher made. How many IEW teachers does it take to change the light bulb? The answer was, depends on how long is the checklist. <laughs> I thought that was pretty, pretty funny. All right, he just had dinner. He changed the light bulb. Okay, what else? He is studying for a test. He had a long day at work relaxing. I like that. Long day. He looks a little old for a test. I don't know if those are headphones or just his hair. What do you think? Might be better if it was headphones. He'd be a little less connected from his physical world around him. Long day. He's ready to relax. What's he reading? Meditations for Catastrophe. The Pithy Sayings of George Patton. He's not reading a TWSS, Kelly. I assure you on that. Our book is bigger than that one. <laughs> a phantom... The fan, phantom... Com I like the phantom. That fits well with the weirdness of the lamp. Let's go with that. He's reading phantom comic. And he's listening with headphones... Now, in our line with our weirdness, what could we have him listening to that would fit with the Phantom comic? Uh, listening in his Bose high-quality sound-canceling headphones. What's he listening to? Well, probably not Old Mystery Theater because he's reading. Well, yeah, it's, I think music. It's got to be music. Phantom of the Opera, Copeland. Maybe Copeland. Rush Limbaugh. Well, that would be enough to cause a, him to look a bit worried. Certainly, he could be looking at a picture books. Quick and Dirty Tips podcast. All right, I'll tell you what. You've all got such diverse ideas. I'm just going to put a blank, which is sometimes what I'll do, you know, with the class. I'll say, you know, we don't even have to agree on this. Why don't you just choose what you like? So I'll just draw a blank on the outline, say, write in whatever you 
whatever you wish. Is there anything outside the picture that might be playing into this event sequence here? Some mischievous nephew or some kind of weird circumstance in the in the atmosphere? Uh, that's practical, Kelly, very practical. An electrician we run in the kitchen, okay. <laughs> Kim, you're going to be fantastic at this. I just love your answers. He recently entered into the witness relocation program. <laughs> A thunderstorm. I like the thunderstorm. That adds to the cre creepiness of it, too. So outside, there's a wild thunder and lightning. All right, so what I've got here so far is Roman numeral 1, Seymour, comma, chair, comma, reading, and then a little lamp icon. Then I've got dinner, changed light bulb, long day, relax, read, phantom, comic, Listening bows, I got a little headphone symbol, another comma, and then a blank line for people to put whatever he's listening to. Outside thunder lightning. And then below that, just put the word clincher. Years and years ago, when I first started teaching this, I kind of did what the Canadians did, and that was to have the students put next to clincher the same keywords as were in the topic, Seymour chair reading. But what I found is that that can be a little bit constraining and that it's not essential to make the whole program work. So now I, I don't try to pre-think the clincher. I try to simply say, okay, start writing the paragraph. And when you've said all the five things or more that you're, you want to say, when you get to the end and you're writing your last sentence, stop for a second read your first sentence, see if there's two or maybe three words in that first sentence that you can repeat or work into the last sentence somehow. And they don't have to be the same key words that you chose to put on the outline. Do you see what I mean? So you can be very flexible. I find that just putting the word clincher as a reminder works fine. Okay. All right, now the topic, central fact, what's happening here? The lamp begins to melt, I guess, right? The lamp starts to melt and drip. So I guess that's what the central fact is. So we'll put that lamp melt and drip. Okay, now Seymour. He's not immediately alarmed. Yeah, he doesn't look particularly startled. You're absolutely right, Karen. Maybe he's kind of in this surreal fantasy world between listening. Oh, maybe he's listening to Philip Glass. That could take people out of reality. So he's he slowly notices something is changing. The world as he knows it is warping. Is this real? He wonders. I like that idea. Real? Question mark. He's kind of coming out of his haze. 
Now, okay, maybe, Sarah, he's thinking about where did this lamp come from? I like that. He, You say he got it from Ikea. Maybe he doesn't quite remember. So, yeah, where did this come from? And maybe he's wondering if everything else is normal, too. Maybe the chair is heating up. I like that idea. That's a good one, Kelly. The chair starts to heat. Maybe even the book itself. The book itself grows warm, and Seymour realizes he's he's in hell. <laughs> he, he died and woke up in hell. Sorry, I don't know about that. The book is warm, and so Seymour is highly confused. All right, so now on my keyword outline here, I hope you've got something similar. I've got lamp, melt, drip, slowly notice, changing, warping, real, warping, question mark, real, out, haze, where come from, chair heat up, bookworm, s, confused, clincher. So that gets us through the second one. Let's take a look at the third one now. And what's the central fact? Lamp completely melted. The book is just about to, what, explode into flames? book is about to experience spontaneous combustion. Where did Seymour go? He's out of there. Where did he head to? He ran to get out of the heat. How hot was it getting there? Probably approaching 122 degrees. Uh, he got outside and what does he observe outside? If we're going to continue this, <laughs> he needed to get a shop vac to clean it up. Well, we're either going to have everything melt, or I guess it's going to calm down. Pressure built in the chair he shot into there. Oh, you're all so creative. So much better than me. What would he see if he ran outside? Possibly the the paint on the house starting to Blisters, yeah. Outside, the paint on the house is blistering. There's an intense bright light, which expands, and the heat and the light encompass him, at which point he, I don't know what happens. I guess it could be a dream. <sighs> Apocalypse should have giant bees. Really, Karen? He's assumed into the fourth parallax. All right, we'll go with that one, Kelly. His solar panels are overpowering. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. Assumed into the fourth. I don't even know what that is, but maybe it's a Time Lords thing. All right. So now my last paragraph looks something like this. Lamp, comma, completely, comma, melted. Book, comma, spontaneous, comma, combustion. S ran, comma, out, heat, 122 degrees, outside, comma, paint, house, blister, intense light, heat, light, surround, 6, assumed into the fourth parallax. And so there we have the end of that. So that was kind of fun. You all are very creative in that way, so I appreciate it. Let's go ahead and see what... One of the students came up with here 
in one of our online classes. The Chocolate Lamp by Julia. Not my daughter, I guarantee. Oddly, one day in October, a man named Dean opened his door and discovered that an Easter box had arrived. It was gigantic. Who could that be from? Oh, it's from Grandma. Frantically, he ripped it open because he was so excited. Inside, there was a chocolate lamp. Now I can read my Blue's Clues book, exclaimed Dean when he beheld. It might not be Easter, but this is a great present. Happily, Dean took his chocolate lamp into the living room and plugged it in. He was so excited. Dean was sitting in a chair reading Blue's Clues when suddenly the chocolate lamp, which he was using for light, started to drip because it was on for too long. Of course, Dean, who was too interested in his Blue's Clues book, did not notice the lamp was melting. Then he discovered the chocolate lamp had melted completely while he, he was reading. Sadly, he went away because his lamp, which was a present from his grandma, had melted. Up the stairs he went to his bedroom and cried. One year passed, and October came again, and there it was, another Easter box. The same huge box came. He excitedly opened the box. Inside was the same chocolate lamp. Yay! Another chocolate lamp. This one I'm going to eat. <laughs> okay. So that is uh, probably more typical of a level A student writing. You'll notice that the dress-ups are underlined. And the sentence openers are marked before the beginning of the sentence because it's typed out rather than being in the margin. So what we do is we have the kids, if they're submitting work that's typed, they put the sentence number before the sentence in the text. If they're handwriting it, then they can handwrite that in the margin. Oh, wow. And that's really a good point. One day in October, he got an Easter box. I wonder if Julia did that on purpose. I wouldn't be surprised, but then again, sometimes children's sense of months and time. <laughs> that's interesting. I never noticed. Um, just to talk briefly, because we need to wrap it up. We're getting in toward the end. I think you can see now here... If you scroll around a little bit, this keyword outline that has been uploaded into the screen sharing box so everyone gets a picture. And this, of course, will be included with the slides for the webinar. So I hope yours looks something like that. But that's, you know, I just have to be relaxed because I can't specifically always think of something. So I'm always relying on the students. Kelly, this business of labeling the dress-ups in the margin, like S-V-A-S-Q-A, those were part of Lori Verstegen's original history-based writing lesson series. And they came from the old, old, old mini-books that we had uh, 20 years ago. Webster and I pretty much changed the system Actually, he changed, and I agreed it was a good idea. Putting all those little things like SVQA, BEC in the margin, it's so cluttered. It makes it hard to read. It's very painful. So what we do now is we just have them underlined. Cameron, if we can close the keyword outline PDF now. We just have them 
underline the dress up and if you build this checklist gradually the way you're supposed to it's pretty easy you just look at it and go okay discovered verb gigantic adjective who who which ly ly because when okay you've got them all and so you don't have to belabor the point of marking it if you underline it you pretty much you know what it is the biggest confusion I find is students mixing up verbs and adjectives and that's very understandable because English is not well inflected and so a word could be you know a verb and it could also be used spelled exactly the same way with no change at all and it could be an adjective or, or even a noun in some cases take the word like golf you know it's we golf every week verb you know I like golf noun get in the golf cart adjective so it exhausted me right the exhausted teacher adjective verb so usually get a little coaching there you're gonna need it anyway but if you just see the underlines on the student paper you can figure out okay what what's their point of confusion and try to you know help explain suggest some substitutes so I don't like it all and I've never done that stuff in the margin and I believe we're taking it out of the new theme-based lesson books so I, I think it's gonna die and I hope so too so unit 5 is important it's a relief of constraint by facts and logic it requires some thinking skills have to be able to ask some questions reinforces the topic clincher and it's uh, what I have found is a good weaning step between the dictated content of unit 3 here's the story retell it unit 4 here's the facts retell them okay unit 5 now you gotta make make the stuff up you gotta come up with it from your mind somehow and then unit 7 is you don't even have pictures it's just you your brain and whatever you happen to carry around in it so it's a good weaning step from the dictated content to that blank page and even the most unimaginative people like myself can develop some imagination working with pictures and of course I think it's easier in a group and it will help later with unit 8 you can see some more student samples at the magnum opus magazine we publish this six times a year and once a year we print uh, we do a print edition we do it monthly no no oh my I didn't even know that well we do the magnum opus magazine monthly <laughs> so that's a lot of student samples to choose from so just go to magnumopusmagazine.com and you can see those you can subscribe and get them in your mailbox and then you can get a paper copy uh, once during the summer you can also send in your own students work to be published in the magnum opus and that's a lot of fun for students to see their story their composition their report their essay uh, has been chosen to be showcased magnum opus of course meaning great work just briefly I know we're at the end of time but I always feel an obligation to remind people that you need to follow the easy plus one rule only introduce a new stylistic technique when what has been learned already has become easy 
So the checklist would only consist of those things which are easy. And what does that mean? Student can do it without much help, and it doesn't sound too goofy most of the time, plus one thing. If you have a student who says, oh, it's too hard, do we have to do everything on the checklist? Then they're basically saying, you've, you've taught us too much too fast. You taught me too much too fast. And in that case, you should just back up, shorten the checklist to where you believe it would be easy, and kick it back on them. Say, you tell me when you believe this is easy, and then, and only then, will we add in the next thing. You can always also, if you're teaching a group of students in a school or a co-op or a tutorial situation, when you have a group of students, you can always vary the checklist within the group too. You can take the one or two kids on the high end and say, hey, I'm going to show you this technique, which I haven't shown anybody yet. It's top secret, but I think you're ready, so you try it out. And you can go to the, the other side and grab the one or two that are kind of struggling and feeling overwhelmed and say, you know, I think maybe you're feeling a little overwhelmed. Why don't we cross off these two things off your checklist? You just work with these four things until these are easy. And we won't add anything more until these are easy, okay? And the, both sides will be very happy with that. And you can't necessarily predict how fast that will be. This is one pacing, but it could go faster and it could go slower. We did have some great questions. I don't know if there's any questions still hanging out there. I do like to try to end on time to respect your time. And I know you all have probably uh, families that need more of your time. And so we do have podcasts coming up. If you're not a subscriber to the podcast, then please consider becoming a subscriber. You may not find all of them so interesting, but uh, quite a lot of them I believe you will find quite useful. And we have now over a year of podcasts in the backlog, and those are all available for you as well. And then, of course, we'll have our 12 Days of Christmas in the older tradition, starting Christmas not before Christmas, but starting Christmas on Christmas. So from December 26th to January 6th, we'll be giving away things each day. So next month's webinar, January 15th, and you'll get a notice of that. And it looks like that's the end of the slide. So if we want to start our lovely uh, Respighi music, we'll say goodbye, good night, have a joyous Advent, and a blessed Christmas, a very happy New Year. I hope the weather uh, treats you all the way you hope and that you all get under your Christmas tree what you want. And if you don't, of course, there will be the IW's 12 Days of Christmas to fill in for that loss. So, God bless you all and do not grow weary in doing good. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or Stitcher, or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Poudois and the team at IEW, I thank you for the privilege of allowing us to partner with you on this educational journey 
toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking.